You're listening to the Build From Here podcast, a podcast for the hunter and sporting dog enthusiast alike. Join your host, Joshua Parvin, as he interviews retriever owners and discusses the trials and triumphs that lead to a great gun dog. Build From Here is presented by Cornerstone Gun Dog Academy, online resources to help you train your retriever. Now, your host, Joshua Parvin. Welcome to episode number 35 of the Build From Here podcast. Uh, this episode, uh, I'm pretty excited about this. We got Zach Johnson on, and uh, just to fill you in a little on Zach, uh, I got the the pleasure of hunting with Zach uh, this past season, and in fact, we've got an episode going to be rolling out here pretty soon. Uh, we'll talk more about that in a bit, uh, so you can actually see the results of that, but uh, you know, he's, he's got a really nice dog that he's Put a lot of work in, and you know, fortunately, I've been able to see that with all, my own eyes. Uh, but hey, without further ado, let's just go ahead and bring you on. How you doing, Zach? Man, I'm so good. I'm excited to be here. Excited to talk about the the new episode of Cornerstone TV and talk hunting and dogs. Man, nothing better. Yeah, it really doesn't get much better than that. <laughs> no, so you were down uh, at the farm. Were you doing any work? Just preparing for for next season. Um, yeah, just doing some stuff. I was doing some, uh, doing some shed hunting out there. Uh, I spent two days and I, dude, I walked like 10 miles to the timber. I, every year I have a big, uh, shed hunting weekend with a bunch of buddies where we grid off fields and timbers and stuff and really hit it hard. But I was like, you know what? I'll get in these hard to reach places on my own and I'll glass it over really well. Dude. In two days I found two sheds and they were each like three years old, already eaten up, just garbage man, sheds. Man. Uh, so I, I walked like 10 miles for, for that. And then I drove down the driveway leaving and I found a monster, uh, one side of an eight pointer just on the side of the drive. And I'm like, you gotta be kidding me. <laughs> uh, oh, like, what is this, man? That's how it goes. That's how it goes. Well, Zach, tell, I mean, look, so I've already been, I've already been to the, been to the place. The, the location y'all have is, is incredible. Um, yeah, before we get into your story and anything, just, I mean, this is actually, I guess, part of your story, you know, the deer hunting, yeah, that's kind of what you're, you're big into, uh, for, for a lot of it, but you're also into the dogs. But, uh, I mean, for those that are listening, I mean, this, this, it's not, I don't, I don't even know if you could call it a lodge. I mean, it's more of just a retreat. The place that y'all have, mm-hmm. you've got your two camps, you got your duck camp and then you got your deer camp and it's, uh, it's on a scale above Bass Pro and when you go in there, you feel like you're in this, this different world. It's, it's literally insane. I didn't get to see the outside cause we went at night, but, uh, you know, going over for dinner, that was great. Well, just tell people about that whole, the whole story there, you know, the deer hunting and, and all that, that side of your background. Yeah. So it's a, it's a family joint called Rex farms. Um, and yeah, like you said, we got, we got a, a deer hunting property and a duck hunting spot. And uh, it's all private, but we do our best to run it at the level of an outfitter style operation. You know, we really hammer down and focus on, you know, land management, uh, particularly for, I mean, we're in Pike County, so we're already blessed with just like being in one of the greatest places on earth to hunt white-tailed deer. And so we throw everything we can at um, to you know, ensure a, a healthy deer population from, you know, food plotting to, you know, trapping predators regularly and just ev- everything we can to, um, to make it a positive experience for everybody. And, and something that, 
um, we like to do. And, um, it's, it's mainly my uncle. He's, he, he, he's been a lifelong hunter. And one of his favorite things is introducing others and exposing others to the outdoors and giving them a positive first experience. And so, um, as a part of that, I've been able to expose shoot like countless people to, um, to various outdoors deals, like just shooting, um, trapping, deer hunting, waterfowl hunting, shed hunting, um, everything just it's, yeah, I'm really blessed with an opportunity to, um, to share with other people, the outdoors and, um, what I love and kind of guide them on that experience. And man, and, and we've created a, just a great handful of, you know, people who are going to be lifelong hunters now. <laughs> and so it's, it's a really special setup and man, it is, um, not lost on me that I'm extremely blessed, um, to, to be in the position and, and do, do what I do. That's amazing, man. It's, uh, I can tell you, yeah, if you go out there, you're going to be hooked. What, so where did that passion come from? Who took you on your first hunt and who started the the passion for you? Was it a deer oh, hunt, man, waterfowl uh, hunt or dove hunt? What, you know, what was your first experience in outdoors hunting? Well, it was definitely through my dad. My dad, um, you know, he hunted, he started hunting, whenever, he started hunting late. My grandpa wasn't into hunting at all and he got into it on his own and then he raised me in it. I remember, um, being in the ground blind deer hunting with him whenever I was like six and he shot a doe and I remember just being so excited and and that he shot one and then <laughs> another one was still standing there and I'm like shoot that one too shoot it shoot it you know just like like <laughs> I, I I was stoked and I was hooked and so I my my main pursuit for them I mean I, I did all the outdoor stuff uh for the most part you know just hiking shooting stuff with a BB gun, fooling around. Um, but I, I really, I started hunting whenever I could legally, whenever I was 10 years old, shotgun hunting. Um, then as soon as I got my first deer that year with my shotgun, I started working on getting strong to pull back that bow. And so whenever I was 12, I, I started bow hunting on my own Whenever I could get, I think it was 45 pounds at the time. Wow. And, uh, yeah, first deer hunt, I got a double, I shot a, a buck and a doe within like 15 minutes of each other. Oh man. And, um, yeah. So I, so that's deer hunting was pretty much all I did. Um, from the time I was 10 till shoot, I think out of college, I was probably 22 or, or, or 23. Wow. And, uh, I'd been, I, I'd been goose hunting and I maybe duck hunting in, in that time somewhere. I remember when I was young, I hunted, actually got to go on a goose hunt with Tim grounds, which was pretty cool. And wow. that was my first exposure to, uh, working, working retrievers in the field. Oh, really? You know, he had, yeah, he had a dog of his own Yeah. and I remember him st- standing outside the pit, you know, with a cigarette hanging out of his mat going, <laughs> cigarette out of his mouth going, back, just back, you know, giving that same cast over and over hollering. And I, 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 the, I don't think the dog was that, all that impressive. Um, because I remember seeing it, like give the cast and the dog just spinning in circles a bunch. <laughs> but, uh, I, but I, I remember, you know, the, the energy of having the dog in the blind and it was on a box oh, sitting on the box yeah. in the pit. So, you know, I, I could pet it and interact with him. But, um, I started, um, I started duck hunting with, uh, my buddy, Mike, Mike Anderson, whatever. Yeah. I was 22, 23. And actually I fell, I fell into waterfowl hunting completely backwards. Like, <laughs> I think as backwards as you can, uh, and, and especially like in regards to why we're talking, we're talking right. because we love training hunting retrievers. And that's how I got into duck hunting was 
whenever I was a, whenever I was a kid, my, my first dog, well, my dad's dog, Nick, a yellow lab, my dad had trained him using Dick Walter's book, water dog. Yep. Yep. Um, like one of the classic texts Absolutely. on, 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 uh, retriever training. And so I grew up, I, I, I don't remember. I remember him working with that dog across the street on the baseball field. And I didn't think it was cool or anything. I was like, that's just what dogs do, you know, <laughs> cause that's the only dog I knew was a well-trained, obedient, uh, hunting dog. And, um, I didn't think anything of it that, uh, you know, that we lost that dog, um, you know, still whenever I was young, but, um, whenever I, whenever I got older, um, I wanted to get one of my own because my dad and I are relentlessly competitive in so many ways. Like for, for, I think I told you this on our hunt trip, but, but, um, what my dad back in high school could ride a unicycle really well. And so <laughs> like he, he told me that while I was in high school, I'm like, well, I, in my head, I'm like, well, I bet I could do it better than you. So I, I got a <laughs> unicycle. I learned how to ride a unicycle just to be like, what else you got old man? Like, <laughs> and so, and so he, like, you know, I got older and he told me about this dog and how cool it was. He, he gave me the book and I started reading it and I, and I, remember seeing some working dogs and in the text, I could like, you know, what you expect of your dog. And I'm like, that's, I I like the idea of, of that, of working with your dog as a team and, and, and having something special. Cause I mean, you see every day untrained dogs just doing whatever they want. And they, they're, they're (laughs) the king of the, they're the king of the house. They own the own, like they're the the dominant (laughs) species, you know, and the owner gets walked all over. And so I like the idea of, you know, you know, I, I'm in control. I set what we do, but man, like I respect you, you respect me. It's a, it's a team effort. And I love that. So he gave me that book and within like two weeks, I, I found a, a breeder that had a pup left and i I went and I got that dog. <laughs> um, and there, hey, and there's a helpful tip. No, never, um, never go to a, a random breeder to just to look at dogs to see if you want one. <laughs> Cause you'll, cause you'll leave with the dog. Yeah. That's like going to a Don't car dealer. You gotta be safe. If you go there, you know, you gotta hold yeah. on to your wallet very tightly. <laughs> yeah. Hold on your wallet, do your research before you ever step foot on the lot. Yeah, sure. <laughs> For sure. Do that. And so, yeah. So I ended up with uh, that first dog that was doc whenever I was, um, yeah, 23. Mm-hmm. And, um, yeah, I took him home reading that book and, and started the work from there. And that, I think I took him on his first hunt whenever he was like six months old. <laughs> and so just got, just got right into it. And that, yeah, I, t- I went on that hunt with my buddy, Mike Anderson. And so, yeah, that's how I fell into it backwards was I just wanted to one up my old man and, you know, and start duck hunting. I'm like, well, if I'm going to start a duck hunting, I want a dog. Yep, and yep. so I, st- I started with the dog before I'd even really experienced waterfowl hunting as an adult. Oh, that's hilarious. And that's awesome. Yeah. So that was a, I don't know. I'm a, I'm a weird guy and I go about things in the opposite direction sometimes. Hey, everybody comes into their journey with, I guess, everything different, but especially dogs, you know, I, mm-hmm. I've talked to a lot of people. It's interesting, just all the different on ramps and the different things that can make you want a dog, the different experiences, you know, mm-hmm. some, yeah, for you, uh, dog first, then waterfowling for a lot of people, it's waterfowling first, then the dog. And you know, there's all kinds of stories. So I, I think that's, I think that's pretty cool. What, uh, so the journey of Eve, so that's, you've got Eve now. What, uh, where did that, where did, where did, I see you're back there. 
She's just mm-hmm. chilling, hanging out. Where did uh? See, that, that's her cozy chair. She sits there all day while I work and just snoozes. <laughs> that's what I'm talking that's about. Great. Well, how did she come to the picture? And you know, uh, was it a little bit later down the road here when Eve came to the picture? Did you hunt for a couple of years, or you know, what's what's the story there? Yeah, I had hunted with Doc for two seasons before we got Eve, and at that point, so I started training my first dog doc with dick walter's book water dog and also game dog you know i I got into all of his texts really excuse me and then um and then a a few months into that is whenever i found you guys with cga and i mean i think i i think i bid on what y'all offered immediately i'm like i i could get behind this it seems seems simple enough and you know they will teach me the drills and more concepts about learning and um and i learned a lot and so all of that knowledge kind of coming together for me yeah. and, and doc getting older, I, I started to, I started to really wrap my head around the general concepts of, of training a, a companion, training a dog um, to do a job. And so it, while I had doc, I took on a, a few buddies, dogs just casually mm-hmm. to train them because um, I mean, I wouldn't say doc was incredible by any means, but he was, he was, he, he worked. And he, and he did it right. A little slow, um, <laughs> definitely because of, definitely because of my downfalls as a first time trainer, yep, yep. um, which I mean, that's, that's a list as long as my arm. And I'm sure it's the same story for every trainer ever. Um, <laughs> but yeah, as I started working with other dogs, I realized I'm like, I'm getting better at this. Um, I definitely understand, um, what to do better now. And so I, it got in my head and, and also in this time I had been exposed to the HRC community. I take, like, I just, I stumbled across hunt tests online and I'm like, let's go try it. You know? So I took this dog doc. I'd never seen the hunt test. Didn't even know how they worked. I showed up totally blind. Um, and <laughs> I, I, I ran awesome. my dog in a, in a started hunt test. And, and it was so funny because at the time I definitely remember thinking, I'm like, he can mark he can mark doubles. Like he could probably do a season level test, which, <laughs> oh my gosh, could not have been further from the truth because like it just the intensity level difference. Uh, but that's a whole, that's a whole nother story, but I got into it. And in that process of HRC, I learned about, you know, quality breeding and what to look for in a dog. And, and I learned that the main, main thing is the difference between like a work, uh, a bred dog that's bred to be a working dog versus a dog that has been bred. Yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> that's, I guess that's as simple as I can put it is a dog that's bred to do a job and a bred, a dog that's just bred to have dogs to sell. And so I found all this and just with all of this new information and my new and my growing experience and knowledge as a trainer, I'm like, I think if I got a new, another dog, I could really do it right. Yeah, yeah. And so at this point, Doc's about two years old, and um, and I, I find <clears throat> when I've known about uh, Southern Oak Kennels for a while, and and um, I you know been in the market and I looked for one, and I, I found the Arden Ash litter, mm-hmm. and decided you know decided to put down a deposit for that dog and and got in on it, and so yeah, Eve, I got Eve as you know as the next generation of of quality, uh, gun dog and just wanting to be better and continue. And, and in retrospect, I'm, I'm glad I did it when I did yep. 
because because Doc ended up passing away at um, at three years old Man. from a, a rare throat cancer. That's devastating. Um, yeah, no, dude, it is. It's tough and unexpected. Uh, yeah. mm. But actually, yeah, like he he passed about a month after we got the news because I noticed uh, a breathing issue. Yeah. And um, but but it was, it was cool because um, like two weeks before he passed, I I set up a, a a final hunt for him with some buddies, and we got the guns out in a winger throw out some decoys, you know, in the middle of summer. <laughs> and, uh, we, 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 yeah, we put a mallard from the previous season in the winger and threw it out there. It would just all emptied our guns on this thing and let him go get it. And it was a, it was a cool moment. Man. So got to send him off. And, um, and luckily I, I had already gotten even, she was a pup. And so I didn't have, uh, there was no downtime for me. Um, when it comes to dogs, I, I went from one season to the next from doc to, to Eve. So, yeah, that's good. Uh, I'm really, I'm really glad I got her when, when I did. Yeah. I try to keep my roster stacked because you never know. Uh, I've lost some and s- sometimes earlier than expected. Uh, yeah. just random things can happen and it, it's, it's hard. I lost one of mine six or five, five and a half, six prime. You know, I feel like, you know, at that point that dog is in the best part of their just retrieving ability. It's just insane. You know, you've worked through all the Kings. You got a dog that's just solid I uh, just recently lost good old Earl. He was older though. So that, that made it a little bit easier, I guess, uh, if you could say that. Mm-hmm. I mean, not really. <laughs> it's tough anyways. Yeah. He, he was almost 14. So it's, um, it's tough. And it we've was had, a good one though. He was a good one. He was a good one. We've had lots that I've, that I've trained to over the past years and they've gone off of their, their owners and then, you know, they've gotten older and then some of them have passed too. So it, it's tough to see that, especially when you invest in them. But it's, uh, but it's also a good thing too, you know, just it teaches you to appreciate the moments that you got with them. And, you know, that's the thing when you're out there, just focus on the moment that you're in. It's, that's the most mm-hmm. important thing. Cause you don't know what, we don't know anything else, right? We have now. And if you're working with that dog mm-hmm. now, you know, sometimes I, I've talked to a few people, you know, quite a few people in the middle of training, you know, we call it the you know, kind of in the rut that you get in or the dip, you know, you, you, things are not going well. You want your dog to be this really well-trained dog and, you know, they're giving you all these problems. They're just messing with you. You know, it's a good, I'll tell you what, laughter is a good thing. You know, when your dog screws up, don't be afraid to laugh. You know, it's all right. You know, mm-hmm. Enjoy that. Cause those are sometimes some memories you'll look back on and think, man, you know, that dog was just total goober then, but you know, we, we worked through it and you know, it's turned out nice. Yeah. It's a, it's the memories you appreciate. So you gotta, gotta enjoy, yeah. enjoy those moments. Yeah, there there were a lot of uh, downfalls as my part as a as a trainer with Doc for sure. Um, but I'm like one of the biggest things that after he passed was like I just remember I I mean I still think it is I still think it is I, I you know I wish I wouldn't have been so hard on him at times. Yeah, but you know that's all pointing back to my inexperience as a trainer. But um yeah, but his passing really kind of hammered that home that any dog I train now is, you know, it's the moment we have is right here in front of us and yeah. none of it's the end of the world. We're just, we're just out here having fun working together. That's right. So, um, that's right. Yeah. Okay. So that doc kind of propelled you into your journey, journey with Eve. And so it sounds like Cornerstone came along somewhere in the picture there and, you know, maybe it had been a little harder on him and yeah, I get that. You know, I've trained with a heavier hand at my, myself at times, uh, and, mm-hmm. you know, I, I've kind of drifted more towards what you're talking about too. Like, Hey, you know, it's, you know, it's not about that. It's about small wins and getting success and then making sure that you keep that bond up. 
And yeah, sometimes it, you don't have to conquer the everything in a day. It can take two years to train that dog until you get it to where, to what you want. Mm -hmm. So coming in with Eve, you pretty much just hit the ground running, talk through the journey there. Mm -hmm. So you were in the, I think Eve is three or four or three. Um, she, she'll turn three in, uh, October. Okay. So two and a half. half. Okay. So two and a half. So So, you somewhere in there, you probably, did you have 52 plus at that time or a complete gun dog? Okay. Uh, I've been a complete gun dog Academy, um, in my tenure as a CGA member, (laughs) if you you could call it that, but, um, awesome. Yeah. I, I, uh, I, I just remember the clarity in, in your lessons and, and how well it was broken down from beginning to end to where I could, I could start to fill in the cracks on my own, you know, as, as time went on and my experience developed that, you know, as long as I've got these drills and I understand the concepts. And I think the biggest thing that changed, um, between, you know, my first dog and now Eve is my, and that's, this is all through the help of, of CGA is, is managing expectations yeah. from, from the beginning. Cause you get that first dog and, and you want it to be, <laughs> I mean, you know, I, I think it's even one of, I, yeah, one of your most prominent ads that always finds out. I always find on my Instagram <laughs> feed is, is you in this uh, same microphone setup saying, so you have a puppy and you want it to be great. <laughs> <laughs> and that's just the truest statement for a first time dog owner ever is my dog this dog that i have in my hands is the greatest dog on earth and i want it to be so great <laughs> so great and if i could go back and that's why how i was with doc in my hands you know i was like i've got the best hunting this is gonna be the best hunting retriever in the world if i could go back in time and and say something to myself i would just say dude chill <laughs> <laughs> just chill out so hard yes like, yes chill out and then i'd probably follow up with hey don't even think about the retrieving stuff for now. Don't even, I, I, would, I was just, yeah, I would said, don't even think about that. The only thing that I should have probably worried about my first year was obedience. Yeah. Like, because if a dog's got it in them, absolutely. They've, they, they're, they're bred to have it in them. They want to chase things and they want to pick it up and hold it and bring it back to you. Um, or maybe not even bring it back to you, but they want to chase something. Yep. And if you can condition them to, come to you whenever you call, no matter what in the world is happening, you're going to, and you do that with something, a dog that's bred to go get something you're that's, you're going to have a hunting retriever. <laughs> and, and so it's just, man, just focus on obedience and make it so fun. And may, I mean, I think, I think that just the hunting aspect of it is just, it should be such a secondary, but yeah. whenever you get your hands on that dog, all you see is your imagination of the end product. And that's what, that's what you want. You want to get there as fast as possible. And I should have told myself to chill and say, that'll, that'll happen. But right now you just, (laughs) you know, you gotta, you gotta shape this dog into a a polite dog that's seen and smelt everything. And it's had a good experience and loves, loves doing what you tell it to do when you say to do it. And, um, and then the rest will fall into place. And yeah. then that's whenever you get to really have the fun. Absolutely. But, uh, yeah, I forgot where I was even going with that. <laughs> I think you're hitting on something really good there. Like, um, it's, uh, you're, it's what you were saying is like your desire, like, Hey, you had doc and you're looking at him and you're like, 
you want this dog to be the best thing that it can be. And I think sometimes that is, that is the best thing to be thinking, right? You want, that's exactly how everybody should be thinking. But sometimes that puts a little pressure on you as a trainer. Cause maybe, you know, if you're, especially as a first timer, you're thinking I've never done this before. And you know, you may be afraid that you might mess that dog up. You know, I've, that's one of the biggest fears that I hear people tell me, like, I really just don't want to mess my dog up. And then what often happens is that same pressure and fear causes people to react and try to do everything they can to get their dog to do something. You know, if their dog doesn't bring uh, a bumper back immediately and it, or if it just walks off and sniffs, you know, there's all those fears of doubt in the back of your mind. Oh my gosh, what if my dog doesn't turn out? And what I have found in my training is it's all right. It all works out, right? You don't have to, uh, you don't have to panic. Like just give it some time. Like you're saying more than anything, spend time connecting with the dog, making sure that it's obedient, making sure that you hone your relationship with the dog, because if it's bred to do all those things, you really probably won't have an issue. And so that is, that's normal. So I totally get it. You know, making those mistakes of, uh, the biggest mistake I see is just allowing that fear of your dog not turning out to cause you to try to force it to turn out because you can't force it. You have to, I mean, mm-hmm. you, you, I, you can, but it's not going to, I mean, that's just not the way we do it. We don't want to produce a dog that's a robot and that does things because it's forced to do it. We basically want mm-hmm. to produce a dog that is an incredible, skilled, excellent retriever, but it's also vibrant and all of its personality comes. I love dogs' personalities. It's kind of crazy. Just every dog's so different. You know, you got these dogs that are all spunky. You got these dogs that are more chill. And I think those personalities, I love to see, and that's the why, that's why we train the way we train is because mm-hmm. it allows us to make sure that those character traits are carried through to the finished product. Uh, and yeah. you know, that's not always the case for every way of training. You know, a lot of times it you can suppress those character traits. And I personally certainly don't want to do that. That's not to take away from those dogs being great retrievers and skilled retrievers and doing their job. But me personally, I love to see, I want the character of my dog to be carried through to the end result uh, at the end of training. Mm -hmm. So, and that's kind of why we put Cornerstone together the way we put it. Uh, It kind of works for everybody. It's a family, you know, the family can be a part of that, right? A family can take Mm -hmm. part of that training and, and see that happen. And, and then you see the 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 family dog you've had from the beginning is still a family dog you have at the end, just a refined family dog that can go crush it in the mm-hmm. duck line like uh, like Eve did out there when we were when we were in Illinois. That yeah. was that was awesome. Yeah, and and that and that family dog that impresses you know all your friends that come over. Yeah, you know by <laughs> it's like you know when it, like say you're moving furniture out the door, you know. You can't have a dog that's running over. It's like place, <laughs> and it just goes sit there. Like man, that is cool. Like how'd you do that? It's like a lot of time and patience, man. But uh, back to what you're saying about the, just the relationship with the dog and and seeing that dog's character, you know, travel through the whole process is. Yeah, I think that that's it's that that being the goal and end result is such a part of just having a great connection with the dog from the beginning. And that is a, also a product of making training fun yeah. and like, and just making it the most positive experience and always ending sessions on, you know, with energy still high. So then that way, whenever you get the clicker and treat back out or you get the bumper back out the next time, they're stoked to do it, you know? And, um, and I, and I don't, and if you're a first time trainer, I don't know if you think I'm in any position to give any sort of, uh, general advice and 
this is i'm just talking josh so <laughs> just bear with me bear bear with me and fix my words at the end uh if you can or clarify but um but like for first time gun dog owners you want that dog to be so great and you're and you're so amped to do it and and one i mean typically your tendency is going to be to want to bite off too much too soon it's like okay this dog this dog just sat so well i bet he'll sit to the whistle yeah you know uh, this that's this is dramatization of the process but it's like you blow the whistle and he doesn't sit and you're like like and your tendency would be to what are you doing like how do you not know this like this is clearly an exaggeration once again i gotta clarify that but like <laughs> it's you how know, you feel you just, on the inside you, though you know yeah you but it's that that's just a product of trying to jump ahead too like too soon and um and, and moving through it whenever like that and that's a part of like the the like negative reinforcement process it's like i mean i think a, a general rule of thumb would be like don't apply any serious um negative pressure to to training especially obedience well that yeah training to obedience or like retriever training stuff don't apply any of that to like at least this dog is six months old you know yeah. like because like if you start like if you let your your temper get a hold of you or you try to take a swat at the dog or like you just got you have to recognize that your frustration is probably a result of your failure uh, or your, you know, your, your inadequacies as a trainer, you know, or your lack of understanding. And whenever, whenever you feel compelled to get heavy on the dog, to, to yell at it, you know, or, you know, raise your hand or swat it on the butt, like whatever it is, whenever you feel that in those first few months, that dog's still a pup. <laughs> and that's going to leave a lot la- that'll leave a lasting impression on the dog oh, and yeah. that's a lot la- so that's the last thing you want to do um so the thing would definitely be to do is to yeah take that step back and just refocus on the element you know the smaller elements those pieces that you guys teach yeah. and then once it's good then take that next creep forward and if it does it well continue until the dog proves that it does that well and then you know build from there yeah. keep stepping just keep one step at a time but um yeah and and but back back to my dogs and i can you know an an example of that was doc was a very hard-headed dog (laughs) um and and he you know just wasn't didn't quite have the drive and so all these things were very frustrating for me and whenever i would you know holler at him or if i swatted which i definitely did more with him um that you know that took away the fun yeah of that took away the fun of the training for him and so then whenever we got the the bumpers out or whatever it's time to train you could see, i would have to actively try and get him excited right whenever he should see these elements these pieces these toys and he should be pumped on his own because he's like oh yeah every time these come out it's freaking awesome like yeah. i have the time of my life <laughs> and um and so then contrasts with with eve is she's the complete opposite man she is the softest dog i've ever worked with like if i raise my voice at all she will and i i've i don't think i've ever swatted her on the butt like (laughs) well okay i i probably probably have but like just like just the the vocal intensity like she responds to that um so much more than doc did 
So if I raise my voice or get low, you know, those inflection differences, you know, that for her is all the pressure she needs. And, and if I get too high, then she'll completely shut off. And I've got to, I've got to like coax her out and like, and completely stop what we're doing. And so that's, that's a complete lesson shift of like everything I probably, I probably did wrong with doc just because of the attitude of my new dog. I'm like, I, I see, I can see it so clearly. It's like, she's cowering because she doesn't understand. She wants to please me so bad, but she just doesn't quite understand what I'm asking. So then that's whenever I gotta be like, okay, Zach, you're, you're getting heated, man. But (laughs) it's so, it's so obvious. She doesn't know what to do in this at this point. So just settle down, reel it in, love Arnold a little bit, take a step back end on a good note and, and end it for the day. But yeah, two so it sounds like dogs, it man. sounds like Cornerstone kind of came in a good time for you with that dog, especially being a little bit softer. You know, some dogs you can mm-hmm. you can get on and they're fine and happy the next second. Other dogs you get on mm-hmm. them, that's probably not a good thing. Yeah, yeah, man, and yeah, night and day with she she remembers stuff, and so like and and she's so compassionate. I don't know, if, <laughs> I don't even I don't know if dogs can be compassionate, but like sometimes I'm even sitting here at my desk working, you know, editing videos or doing whatever. And like, you know, premiere pro skips out or, you know, I lose, I lose a file or something and I'll, I'll get, I'll get irritated and I'll just, I'll yell or I'll cuss. I'm like, gosh, dang it. You know, something. Um, so, and she's back there and she'll think that she did something wrong. And so she'll get, she'll get off her little, her little couch there and she'll come just with the cutest eyes. That's just awesome. the cutest eyes and her, and her tails doing a little wag between her tail her tails doing a little wag between her legs. And she just looks up at me and it's so dang cute. Uh, that's awesome. It doesn't, it, it doesn't help all the time. Uh, I'm like, Eve, leave me alone. I'm mad. I'm not mad at you, but I'm mad. <laughs> but just, yeah, she's so compassionate and soft in, in every way. And it's, she's been an excellent learning opportunity. I can tell just by seeing her in person, you know, she's real biddable works well, mm-hmm. you know, really nicely for you. You've got a good connection. What, uh, you know, a big part of that, at least in our training, like we, before, uh, you know, a long time ago when we first started training, we didn't use the clicker and treat in the training. And a lot of people, you know, that come into that, maybe that have been for more of a force, uh, style of training. And a lot of people are, you know, not sure of that at all. Uh, what was, what was your take on when we, we pull out the clicker and treats and said, Hey, this is what, this is where we're going to start the training on on the place board did you were you shocked by that were you like i don't know about that or were you like okay this seems pretty cool um i think i was open to it i there may have been some preconceived (laughs) notions of what i'd uh, i'd seen you know in like the petco training sessions where they have the clicker (laughs) and treat because like you don't so like you associate that with like a softer method of training for you know show dogs or, or something you know and we're we're hunters we're you know, we do our, we do our work. We keep our mouth shut and we just, we just do it. And so <laughs> I, I think I had a little bit of that, but you know, I was, I was open to it yeah. because obviously I'd seen the dogs that y'all have produced using those methods. And so I was like, let's, let's, we'll hear it. We'll hear them out on this. Yeah. And so, and, and you can just, you could see the attitude, even with like the youngest dogs, like once they get in that, 
once they get to like the point where, you know, they're getting all four paws on the place board and that you, you see that click in their eyes of, okay, whenever I get all four on this board here, I get a treat. Like, I like this game. Like, yeah, yeah. <laughs> like, you know, you can, you in the excitement that's a part of that. And so then like, you know, you, you condition them to do that. And within like how I don't want to say two weeks, cause I don't want anybody listening to say, well, my dog should be jumping on that place board in two weeks. But uh, like, you know, that time goes by to where they like, they get it. Yeah. Whenever you, you say place and you put that arm over point to it, they with gusto, they run over there and they jump and, you know, and that place board might slide out from underneath them. They're so, you know, excited to get on it. Yeah. And, um, and so whenever I, you know, saw the clicker and treat, I saw that, that, that excitement to get on the board was a result of that. And, um, and I think that it's, yeah, I, I just, I came to love it as a, as a tool to shape and mark behavior yep. for the dog. And so I think, it, I think it's invaluable. It's, uh, yeah, I, I was just curious on your take on that. I, I've talked to a few people who are like, you know, tell me about that clicker and treat, you know, or am I going to have to have the, those treats out in the, uh, the blind? And honestly, uh, that was my first thought on it when I was kind of exploring, you know, to tell you the truth, we've explored lots of training methods, you know, we've, mm-hmm. We basically, you know, just dove in and you know educated ourselves as trainers. You know, this is you know, pretty cornerstone days when we're training, you know, for clients. You know, we're trying to be the best we can be, and so we we learn all those things, and that's how really where cornerstone came from is like we we learned and kind of developed our own method of training, pulling from every resource, and we really kept an open mind just because in my mind I'm like, okay, I think everybody's got something good to offer. Or they wouldn't be offering it, and people wouldn't be listening. So you know, we, we keep that we keep that mm-hmm. mindset. We're always we're always making ourselves better. But, uh, you know, when, when we started using that in our own training, the retention, it's, you know, it's cool to see like the early stages and, you know, we're not like, we can get our dogs to get on place board without a clicker and treat. We can get our dog to heal. We can get our dog to sit. We can get our dog to stay without all that. We can get our dog to retrieve mm-hmm. without that. But the, the added benefits of the, of that learning process, that's it. It's the teaching your dog how to learn thing that, that we, that we is mm-hmm. a big foundation of what we do. Uh, it creates a dog that learns to problem solve and it's really beautiful to see that actually in action, uh, early on, mm-hmm. it's easy to see that on the place board, but that same attitude adjustment that carries all the way through into hunting. And while we're talking about hunting and kind of that foundation that we built with our dogs, I mean, let's just talk about this episode. Let's talk about Illinois because I saw that like in action for real. Like you, you know, thinking back, you know, my dog, I see she was two or almost, almost three years old at the time. We're in Illinois. They're hunting with you. Your dog is two, uh, two and a half at the time or just over two at the time we're hunting there in Illinois. And these dogs are in, I mean, I'm not going to lie, dude, your conditions for hunting, as far as retreat, the conditions for hunting are awesome. The conditions for retrieving are some of the toughest I've been in just due to the setup. It was, it was insane, mm-hmm. but it was awesome. Just, it was a new unique experience. And it, it taught me some things that, that I've learned myself, uh, on what I can do to prepare for, for hunting situations like that. You know, most places you go aren't exactly like that. You got a bigger hole. I feel, I don't know who you said your uncle or whoever wanted to keep it as tight as possible on the kill hole. And it's a, and when I say tight as possible, I mean, it felt like it was the size of a couple of minivans. That was the size of our kill hole. Uh, not much bigger. Yeah, that's that's our that's our that's our guy, Mike Mike Anderson. Mike, um, okay. He's <laughs> he's he's an old school um 
he's an old school and kind of an idealist whenever oh, it comes yeah. to hunting. Like whenever he, whenever he gets his head on something or he thinks a certain way, man, it's tough to get him off it. And like, and I've got a, at the beginning, whatever we're setting up the blind preseason, I've got to like twist <laughs> his arm. No, I do. No, I've got to twist both arms <laughs> to get him to like, to agree to let us take corn out anywhere to create any sort of hole. And, um, and another thing I want to do is typically like, and so, but we're Mike and I think of it from different angles whenever we're preparing like the blind and the setup. Like, so he's thinking of it from the perspective of, I want to kill as many ducks as humanly possible. I want to get as many ducks in this hole. I don't want a single other duck hole in the state to have a duck in it. I want them all to be in ours. And, and that's it. There's no second. He wants them all and that's it. And so, and then my perspective is I want to shoot ducks. I don't want to lose a duck. I want to give like every duck that falls down. I want to give us the best opportunity we can to fight it. So like, you know, I want to spray for weeds in our corn, but Mike is, he's like, dude, no man, ducks love eating on all that weedy stuff, man. Like the briars, everything, all the weeds, all the seeds, that's just more form to feed on longer. That means we have corn for longer, like all of this. And so like, <laughs> and so I, man, it's, it's give and take, but I feel like I don't get much yeah. from, <laughs> from him. So I'm, I'm fighting and, and it does make for a tough set. I mean, we do, I mean, this year was a tough year, but, um, well, I mean, we do, we, we hammer the ducks, man. We got a great, a great spot. Of, of flooded corn that's that's well set up and and we do pretty well but yeah i'd man, say and, so and that's it and but that's i mean that's another just the greatest thing about having a dog and my, my emphasis from hunting being all dog focused yeah. is um you know is i want to have a quality dog there and one we need a quality dog there because if we yeah. don't how many more bir- how many birds are we going to lose like, I, I, I don't know if you got the vibe while you, you were there, but it's like, you know, we all agreed that this is a tough situation to collect <laughs> birds on, but like, I, I hate losing birds, man. Yeah. I do not want to see a bird go down and un, us not find it. Yeah. So that's, I mean, and a lot of hunters that we have come through, you know, they'll like, I want these birds to come through perfect. I want them to have their feet down over the hole. So we can blast them, knock them down right in there. You know, they're, you know, dead on arrival and uh, dogs go out and get them, you know, cause that's whenever, whenever, you know, you're shooting long passes and you oh, wing yeah. one over there, it's, it, it's a tough game. And so, you know, that's, I definitely try and start with them, uh, you know, as in the holes we can get. And then, and then once, you know, everybody's restless, I'll, you know, I'll call a shot for <laughs> these guys and we'll, and we'll pick off some more, but it's, yeah, it's, it's a really tough, tough hunting setup for a, for any working retriever, I think. And so it's tough. One of the, one of the, I mean, you've just, and it's, and it's tough to tra- like, you almost can't train for it yeah. without being in that situation, you know, before the season. So you've just got to have a dog that is, is confident and it's like depth perception and, and getting to the area of the fall. And, um, and that's definitely the most, um, one of the most important things. And, and one of my greatest hopes is every bird that we shoot, like, you know, you know, if we shoot like most times we'll, like, if we shoot big volleys, like we'll have the dogs, you know, pick up the few that like it, that it marked well, mm-hmm. and that are close. 
and then we'll leave the birds and then we'll do clean sweeps every now and then and walk the dogs through the corn, hunt them into the wind to pick up, to pick up the rest. But, uh, if we knock down one or two, um, and you know, they're out there in the corn, like what my main hope is if my dog can get there, if it can get deep enough to the location, to the area of the fall, then I've got like enough faith that if that bird's dead or it's, it's crippled enough, like the dog, the dog will come back with it. And, um, and I actually, I wasted a lot of time in the season prior where Eve would, Eve would mark one. I'd send her after it. Um, like tough, tough marks, man, like 80 yards. It's not a and, mark. And a I mean, let's hole. just tell the truth. Yeah. It's a blind. I mean, the dog can't see it. <laughs> it's it. That's the fact. I think every retrieve we had there, but like two were blind. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, we had it. So the, the small kill hole there and everyone mm-hmm. that's listening, look, you'll be able to see. I think, yeah, I think you should be able to see this on our video, the episode number two that's going to launch here uh, the 24th of, of February, which is, I mean, I can't wait for, for everyone to see it. it. I mean, to be honest, it makes me want to go hunting again so bad. I, I mean, I can hardly, oh, yeah, I can hardly stand it. It was, it was pretty epic. Uh, just, it was pretty, an, pretty it, dogs, pretty ducks. It was a beautiful. couple laughs here and there. It was, it was, yeah, it doesn't get much better, but those retrieves were blinds. Um, and that's mm-hmm. what I loved about how we did it just cause like, um, as a handler, when I approach a situation, I am, I am looking when I get to a place, I'm constantly thinking, okay, how am I going to respond? And how do I expect my dog to be at, at, act in the situation? How do I expect my dog to respond to the variables that are there? So when we pull up, I see all this at the corner. I'm like, okay, that's going to be a little bit tough. Now I didn't realize how tough it was going to be until I actually got in the corn myself because those rows are so tight of that corn, your dog's really not going to maintain a line because sometimes it's too thick where those two or three or four corn stalks are basically just smushed together. Your dog's going to have to bounce back and forth. Uh, so, it, I mean, now once you get in a row, in between a row, it's fine. You can go straight in between a row. But the the rows of corn is what makes it hard. On, I mean, you're just not going to have one of those perfect, beautiful straight lines. It's just not happening. You're going to send your dog in yeah. that direction and then – you're going to either communicate with your dog on your voice or you're going to go out there and you're going to help them once it gets beyond the kill hole. Now the kill hole retrieves, that was no problem. We sent our dogs, they go pick it up. Or if you get a dog, a duck that's on the edge of the kill hole, you know, you get some there you know, 40 yards out. I think any retrieve within a 40 yard, like radius, that was pretty simple for us to, you know, to pick up. But a lot of those retrieves yeah. that we had, I, I feel like, we, I feel like we had half land in the kill hole and then half were kind of, you know, a lot, a little bit further out there. And, and yeah, it honestly required yeah. the steadiness, but, you know, kind of going back to that earlier point, where we were talking about that early learning. It was cool to see, you know, Violet out there, but also Eve, cause I know that she was still pretty young. This was her, her really her second, I guess her real, mm-hmm. like she had done a good bit of hunting the year before, but really her second season. Um, mm-hmm. and it was just cool to see how those dogs, you know, they weren't, our dogs aren't conditioned to just perform a task and only do that task. They are conditioned to perform that task, but to problem solve in that situation. It was cool to see how our, Mm -hmm. the dogs immediately started responding to what was around the the variables of the corn and the thick cover and the underbrush and all those burrs. Like it didn't bother them. They just learned to adapt and overcome super quick. I I honestly, personally, I attribute a lot of that to that early training we do, even to the clicker and treat Mm -hmm. on the place board. Like day one, you start, you know, start cornerstone, you're starting place board clicker and treat. 
And that same mm-hmm. uh, shaping that you do or ch- basically creating a pathway in your dog's mind to learn how to learn. And it's cool to see that unfold on the hunt. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And um, I mean, and one of, the, one of the things that I love most about the, the British style training, it, like in relation to our, the hunt setup that we have in the flooded corn is the, is the, you know, kind of having more trust and more responsibility to put on your dog is a problem solving element of this team. Yeah. You know, so it, it like, yeah, you know, you saw your dog get out there and like, you know, dogs up to its neck and water standing there in the <laughs> corner. It, it looks around. It, it can't see anything. Once it gets out there, disorienting, it's like, honestly. Okay. <laughs> it's like, okay. It's, and the, what the dogs are probably thinking is like, all right, I got to keep tags on where the handler is and I'm going to have to use my nose. And I'm yeah. just, like if he tells me to go, you know, and you're probably only going to, you typically only get, if you're going to get out there in the, like in the hole on the far side of the hole and you're trying to push your dog into the cover, you're going to get one cast That's in it. there. That's it. And, no and, more. And, and that, and you need that one cast to get them in the area. And then once you see them, see those, uh, corn stalks <laughs> moving, around. moving around in the right area where you think the fall is, you give them that hunt whistle and you let them do their job Yeah, because if, if they're not coming up with it, odds are you aren't either. And that, yeah. So that's happened so many times with Eve. And I, like I said, I learned that last season was if she doesn't come back with it, I'm pro and, and I know that she got out to the right area for it. I'm not going to get it either. If I go out there, Yeah, it's gone at that so, point. So like, so like, it's just, yeah. Trusting your dog and, um, and just getting it to the area and the, yeah, those cats are good. And, um, but yeah, and one, one of the things I, I thought was valuable, and I definitely saw you, um, you pick up on it um, in the later days of our hunt was the, uh, the importance of kind of just remaining vocal whenever, like, cause you can't see your dog once it gets in there. Yeah. I mean, like th- 10 seconds I, in, they're out of sight. You're like, okay, bye-bye. They're, <laughs> they're out of sight. And, and like you said, um, like they need to kind of loosely keep tabs on where you're at. And so like something I'll do is like, I'll just like kind of baseball chatter, you know, like, hump, kid, hip, hop, hop, hip, hope, you know, just yep. letting them know where you're at. Cause I mean, I found there've been so many times hunting and cover that deep where, uh, Eve would go out and you, you don't hear anything for a couple seconds where then that's where she's just sitting still kind of trying to reorient herself. Yeah. And so giving her that little hop up or whoop up kind of lets you know, okay, I'm, you know, I'm 20 yards from, from the handler. I'll, you know, work back and keep working with them. And then, you know, once they get eyes on you again, then you can maybe like while you're in between rows, you can give them a little cast over yeah. and get them in the right area. But it's just, yeah, it's a, a lot of, but they, they still do save you a, a lot of, a lot of steps, even though you oh, got to yeah. get out there sometimes. We wouldn't have found all those birds on that hunt. I mean, I don't think it, we didn't lose a bird, did we? I don't think we lost a bird actually. I don't think we so. We did pretty decent yeah, in our I, shooting. I mean, we may have had to do a double tap or two, you know, missed on the first shot, but most of the time we were following up and. <clears throat> And popping those birds pretty good. Oh yeah. Oh, <laughs> hey, when, when you get a blindfold, when you get a blindfold of gunslingers like us, man, nothing's getting away. <laughs> and and Jared down there on the end, he's a silent he, killer. He'll, he'll he'll make sure it gets done for uh, sure. He did a good job. He did it, man. It was it was all around a good hunt. I'm uh, I'm excited about the episode. So I, I let I went ahead and let Zach see the episode um, just because I mean heck he's in the episode. I thought he should see it early. I thought about making him wait until it aired. Or premiered, but uh, what was uh, what was your okay. favorite? What was your favorite part of of that of that episode? Well, I'm, I'm glad you. Well, one, I'm glad you showed me ahead of time because if I saw some trailer <laughs> promos coming out this week, I would have been 
I probably would have been calling you being like, uh, Hey, where's the, where's the love at man? Let me, <laughs> let me get a little bit early. Uh, what, what did you say? What was my take on the episode? Yeah. Just one of your, is there anything that stood out to you or that you were just like, okay, you know, cause it's interesting, you know, see your, your, you and your dog are on that episode, right? So what was your perspective on, I know everyone's perspective is different because most, you know, most people are watching it, but what, uh, what was like one of the best parts to you that you just, that you enjoyed? Man. Um, well, it was awesome. I mean, I think, I think your camera guys did. I did an incredible job. job. Like in, man, I mean, they're they're pros, man. Colin did a great job following the dialogue. Dustin did awesome at tracking the birds and man, a lot of, a lot of great kill shots. And so that's, (laughs) I mean, that's probably the most, that's the most important part of any hunting show. And so with this being your first hunting episode, episode two of Cornerstone TV, I think y'all are off on the right track, getting some, uh, getting some good kill shots going down. But, um, from, from a dog perspective, I was, it was kind of so satisfying to see because like, you know, whenever you're living it, you don't, you don't get that third party perspective right. of, of what it looks like. It's like, you know, before you get into dog training, I feel like a lot of people get into it because they see a good working dog, uh, do the job right. And you're like, man, that's cool. I want to do that. And so that's the, that might be the last time you get that third party view of it. And right. so this was a chance for me to see, you know, the fruits of my labor, like watching, like, you know, where I'm still sitting on the end of the blind and on my little stool and watching Eve come to the door of the blind and drop off a bird. That was nice. Like, dude, that's, that's all we're working for. That's all we're working <laughs> for is to, is to get able, be able to sit in our seat, uh, you know, us do our job, pop, call them, pop up, shoot, let the dog get it and bring it to man. It's that's all it is. And then, um, and there's, and another good thing from a dog perspective was um, something that we've been working on um, in the parts of the season prior to your visit and in the preseason was um, because in the prior season, Eve had had trouble of whenever she delivered the bird, she was just, she was just stoked and she wouldn't want to go back in her box yeah. um, as, fa- as fast as I would like. Yeah, you know, yeah. We, you know, we got to, you know, we did our job. We got to get back in positions where I'm excited you did it but we're professionals. So we got to move on That's right. to the next thing. And so one of the things we worked on was uh, returning to her blind um, immediately upon drop off. And so, yeah, so we, we did a bunch of drills and in the hunts before you guys got there. And it, and it really did just take a couple hunts of getting a few, a few fresh birds. And then like, as soon as she delivers it kennel, you know, and then as soon as she gets in there and turns around, I throw it out there let drop. Then I'd send her. And then I would do that for like three or four repetitions to where as soon as she gets back in that box, another one's there for her. Yeah. You know? And so she, so it, and then you can see in the episode there there's yeah. Colin and I are out of the blind. She drops off a bird and I tell her kennel and she gets in there whips with around. just all with everything she got. She whips in there. She whips like the whole blind shaking because she gets in there and turns around <laughs> so fast. And sure, then her head's back out, ready, ready to go again. And that's that's what you're doing it. And so that was that was something that was awesome to see was just that preseason and early season work, and the, the just that small little detail sharpening that up. And um, and yeah, and that's just one of those great things that you can work on during hunts. Yeah. I would say you did a good job with it. I mean, I was, I was stoked. It was, that was a really fun hunt. I mean, the dog work on that hunt was actually pretty spectacular. 
Yeah, me and Vi crushed it. I wasn't worried about that end down there with you guys. Just, just I could tell when I showed up. I was like, all right, I think this is going to be good. You know, because we had chatted. You know, I've, I try to always vet everyone that I'm mm-hmm. going to go out and and get on the hunt. You know, I want to make sure that hey, oh yeah, I want to make sure more than anything that if I'm coming to hunt with you, I'm putting you in a good position and you're ready for it. Because mm-hmm. nothing would be worse than for me to accidentally make a mistake and not realize that you weren't ready, and then you got all that pressure on you. And as a new trainer or as a mm-hmm. you know, your young dog, you're putting that type of pressure is not a good thing. So, you know, we chatted a good bit. I looked at, you know, your history of how much you had washed. And it looks like you pretty much consumed nearly everything that we had put out. And I was like, <laughs> okay, I think we're in a good path. And after chatting with you, I felt pretty good about it. And then showing up, just seeing how Eve re- looked at you and responded to you. I was like, all right, yeah, this is going to be good. We sat down, we locked and loaded and, uh, man, we went to work. So I, I was, yeah. I was real happy with how that turned out, but it was, it was a fun, that, that was a fun hunt for me just because it was like, Hey, you want to go on that retrieve or you want to get it? You know, that was kind of what was going yeah. on. It's like, Hey, go, go for it. Or you go, you know, you're like, yeah, you, you go ahead and send Violet and uh boom, we send them. Yeah. And it was just, it was like, it was a, it was a work of yeah. art in my opinion, just from a fun perspective. It was just we, oh, yeah. we came, we conquered. Well, it was a little rough to begin with, but we, we overcame the, the, the stillness in the air. I don't know what was going on, but it all worked out there towards, towards the end of that first time. And really then at, yeah. from the rest of the time we were there, it worked out great. But that first morning, yeah. you know, after, thankfully you, you took us out there to see all the birds the first evening. If you hadn't done that, yeah, I would have been pretty concerned, uh, that first morning when it was a little bit, uh, when it was pretty slow, but it, yeah. it got hot. It was a it warm was, day. It, oh, 75 degrees, you know, Goodness. it was crazy. So in a duck hunter's mind, you know, I was concerned, but, uh, also yeah. had pretty, pretty great confidence based on what we had chatted about there. And it, it, it panned yeah. out. Yeah, no doubt. That's a big crapshoot on, on your end for sure. You know, making, making the travel and whatnot. Cause I, and everybody, I mean, myself included, you always talk about, you know, your dog, cause you're proud of it. You know, you always <laughs> talk about your dog a little bit. Maybe you might embellish just like fishing, you know, yeah. every year the fish gets bigger. And yeah. every year your dog gets better and better, but, um, yeah, man, we did some good work and what, what, and one of my favorite things that, yeah, you kind of hit on and you'll, those, everybody will see it in the episodes is a, a few of those moments where, you know, bang, 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 you know, we knock down a, a bird or two or however many, and then there's that, you know, five, 10 seconds of silence afterwards where where we pause and, and we kind of look at each other. And we got to figure out, and I, I remember being in the blind and having like, all right, how do I ask him? Like, how do I ask him which dog we're sending? Cause I don't want to say my dog's name and I yeah. don't want to say his dog's name. Cause that's the go word. Um, so I'm just like, yeah, I think it's in the episode. I look at you and I'm like, uh, <laughs> you're like, you my, want me to send my dog? <laughs> do you want me to send my dog uh, that has no name? My dog with no name over here, or would you like to send your dog with no name? Uh, oh, either yeah. ones were fine with me, but that was great. I, I, I love I love those, uh, in, in the moment, I love those moments of intensity where it's like, who gets it, man? Yeah. Who gets it? Like me or, me or you, like, what, what are we doing? And it's just in that whole weekend was that, that teamwork back and forth. It was where, fun, man. You know, and, Goodness. and, and having two, two well-trained dogs and the two well-trained working dogs in the blind, um, and being able to do that together, uh, that off cool. of, you know, never working together and not even doing any training exercises prior. Yeah. Yeah. We just like, showed up. They, and hunted. They, <laughs> they, they did great, man. And that's, um, that's what you guys are. That's what you guys are breeding with Cornerstone Gundog Academy is you're breeding an, a new class of, of dog handlers and waterfowlers that 
you know, will be able to work with anyone at any point and have a a positive experience. It makes me proud um, to see, you know, like, like you said, I mean, that makes me proud more than anything. It, it gives me joy to see, you know, people like you take what we've offered and like use it, you know, or, you know, if you, if no one uses, if you don't use the course, it's not going to do anything for you. But uh, like I said, Mm -hmm. you had consumed a lot of that content or I think 99%. So you basically consumed it all. And you put it to use. And so when we, I show up and, and see, like, I'm proud of my dogs, of course. Everybody's proud of their dog. But I'm also proud of our members because it's, I know what it takes to get a dog there. And I know it's not easy. I know it's hard. It takes time. Uh, and then it also takes, mentally, you've got to be, you know, willing to push through those tough barriers. And so when I show up and I see that, you know, because, hey, I'm not going to lie, you know, put, building the course, like, that took a lot of work on our end. And, you know, putting all that time and effort and, uh and both the original the complete gun dog academy and with 52 plus like we spent i mean it's countless time investing and you know it was just, it was hard but it makes it so worth it it's kind of it's like the same investment in your dog you put so much time it's hard but the results of it are just incredible so seeing you and making good decisions as a handler too which is awesome you i didn't like when i was hunting with you i didn't feel like i needed to you weren't looking to me for help and I didn't feel like I needed to give you help because you've developed yourself into a trainer just by going through the course, training your dog and taking all of your experience into account too. And everyone should, right? You know, all of your experience together, you take into an account and you go through the course, you learn, you, you get on the same page with your dog. So, and, and it's fun to, to get in that situation because uh, I could just tell you had some confidence as, as a handler, but the good kind of confidence, you know, not overconfidence. It was just like, Hey, I know what me and my dog can do. And we're gonna do it, and y'all crushed it. So makes me proud. I'm yeah, proud of you. I, I, I definitely hope there wasn't any point uh, where you felt as if you couldn't give me any sort of critique or advice. Uh, oh, definitely yeah, not. I, 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 good. Okay. That's good. what I'm. That's what I'm saying. I didn't good. feel you were over overconfident, right? I felt like if I needed to good. or wanted yeah. to, or if I saw something, I I give advice, you know, sporadically as it makes sense. If I see something, just yeah. like I'm open myself, I'm always looking. Cause I, you can, and when you're in the moment and you're doing something, you can't see everything. So, uh, yeah. I didn't feel that there was a need for anything, honestly. Uh, but, uh, but I felt like hey, if, well, if there was, you, you would have received you put it. So much, <laughs> that's because you put so much work into the front end and making a, and making a quality course, man. And you put and the work in training really your shows. dog, you know, it, you put but, the work in yourself. Hey, Let's just keep patting each other on the back. I guess let's do that, huh? That, that sounds pretty fun. good. Well, for me, the members are, are yeah, dude, just people like you just putting that work in because, like, I mean, yeah, it's great. We put a lot of work, but it's still nothing unless you do it. It's all on you as yeah, a member, man. you know. That's ultimately, it yeah. all comes back to you, and you did it. And uh, I would love to hunt with you and Eve again anytime. I mean, that was, uh, I mean, for those listening to this episode, and you, you'll see. Just wait till uh, we're dropping. So we, let's see. This episode will drop Tuesday, so you will only have to wait a couple of days until you get to see all of this action take place. And I just will forewarn you, if you're like me, you're going to be a little sad that hunting season's over. I may or may not have went out and bought a shotgun because I was so excited about next hunting season. <laughs> you know? <laughs> it's uh, We're gonna, Hey, I get those end-of-season deals, baby. That's right. Got to capitalize right. on the deals. That's right. But, uh, hey, man, we'd love, we'd love to have you back out for sure. Like. We we all had a great time. You you were excellent guests. We we've definitely had some folks out before that are, can be a pain <laughs> in the butt to deal with. And yep, uh, yep. y'all being excellent, courteous outdoorsmen and great people, it showed. And uh, man, yeah, we we had a 
had a great time. We'd love to have you back. And next year, hopefully, one of the things we're working for uh, now in this offseason is getting us a, a nice pit put, put in. So Ooh, that'll be nice. Instead of that big, instead of that big, um, you know, beaver pit wouldn't yep. blind yep. Uh, next year, next year, hopefully we'll have a, a nice comfortable concrete blind in there. If you and, have uh, that pit put in that, oh man, I don't, I don't even know what to tell. I don't even know mm-hmm. what to think about that. Like seeing the birds just come float on top of you. It's just, it's going to be madness. It just, you be, might not leave, man. I'll we'll serve you up breakfast, lunch, breakfast, lunch, dinner in there. We'll watch the football game on Sunday. Yeah. I think we'll take just a, stay the whole season. The back. Just keep yeah, popping man. them. Man, that would be, hey, we got, we got room for you. <laughs> well, that'd be awesome. Well, Zach, um, it's been a pleasure having you on. For last t- any tip, anything that you like, your the last second here. What would you share with someone thinking about training a dog? I always love to ask that question, just because I want to get all the different perspectives. Um, someone that's thinking about getting into it, that's thinking about training a dog, um, you know, is excited about the potential out there. What what would you leave? What would you leave them with here on this podcast? Um. Well, one that I, I will recap on what we already hit on is what I would tell myself as a first-time trainer is, dude, chill. chill uh, dude, chill. And, and parts of that would be probably throw significantly less retrieves than you want to throw yep. for your dog, especially, especially whenever the dog is young. Um, and in that time, whenever you're, you're saving all that time, throwing fewer retrieves, use that time and your main focus should be obedience because that's all any of this is, uh, you know, uh, a super retriever series, master hunter, grand hunting retriever. They're great retrievers because they got great obedience. Like, and that's all the game is. It's just a dog that listens to you and, and knows his job and how to do it. So that's true. Take a chill pill, (laughs) throw fewer retrieves and, um, and, and really build that relationship um, with an, and make an obedient dog. I think you said it pretty well. That's it. Build that relationship. And I don't think you can do much better than that. If you do it, you'll be, you'll be on the right track, but man, I appreciate having you on. I can't wait to premiere this episode. Uh, pretty stoked about it. For those that are listening, you can find it on YouTube. Uh, one last thing I I just want to throw out there. Uh, Zach also, uh, he is a pretty awesome guy when it comes to busting it and going to work. And he has actually built a course for predator trapping. It's, it's actually really cool. Uh, he's, we've talked a lot about that in the beginning when he was looking at doing it and just kind of like how, you know, CJ had impacted him, but he had this vision that he wanted to help others. And that's from his deer hunting side of things. But, uh, just, I'll say this, I think the website does an incredible job of telling what you do. If you want to check it out and you are interested in trapping predators, I think you should go check his website out. It's rexpredatoracademy.com. Is that correct? That's correct, right? Yeah. Okay. Yes, sir. And just yeah, yeah. and it's uh, our Rex Predator Academy is pretty much the same thing as Cornerstone Gun Dog Academy, but instead of teaching you how to train dogs, we teach you how to trap and kill dogs, uh, <laughs> wild dogs that you don't want. That's right. You know, if you if you're serious about your white-tailed deer hunting. You know, one of your biggest fawn killers um, in the springtime is is coyotes, and one of your big pressures in in the rut is coyotes. Yeah. So, if you want to get serious about procuring uh, a positive hunting experience, grow bigger bucks, have more deer on your property, trapping is the most efficient way to do it, and we teach you how to do it step by step, man. Yeah, I'll say just check it out. It's it's really cool. I mean, it's uh, 
just go into their property and, and the, the duck side of things is incredible. And then also seeing the deer side of things, it's, uh, and they put, put together some real good stuff. I'm, I'm definitely thinking about trapping some coyotes here just on our property. We do some deer hunting too, uh, mainly waterfowl hunting, but we have some deer. I think it would be, I think it'd be fun, but, uh, wanted to throw that out there just cause I thought, I thought that was really cool. And, uh, yeah, other than hey, that, we'll make it happen for you. Hey. You want to, you want to, you want to get serious about it. We'll make it happen for you. We'll get you trapping some coyotes, brother. Let's do I'm it. Serious. Well, we're going to have to get out there and do it. You just got to drive down here and just check it out. Too. I just want you to see the property and you'll be like, Oh man, that's I, best trapping. Hey, I'll drive ever. down. Hey, for you, I'll drive down there tomorrow. All right. <laughs> well, let's do it. Well, uh, man, I appreciate having you on. Uh, I think you said some great things. Uh, I, just all I got to say is this has been an incredible episode. There's a lot to learn in this episode too, uh, for those that are listening, but I uh, appreciate having you on and as always build from here. Thanks for listening to the build from here podcast to learn more about retriever training or our podcast, visit cornerstone slash podcast.